And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. My mind is alert. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, we thank you that your word is truth. And that, Father, your truth will sanctify us. Your truth will make us free. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord God, you'd wear me like a glove this morning. That you'd be the substance of everything that's said. And every person will hear the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts individually. And that we will leave this place changed, never the same. And we promise to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. You may grab your seats this morning. I'm so excited because uh, of last week and how many people came to church last week. You know, that last week was the first time we broke the 2,000-person barrier in our church. Amen? Amen. It was the largest amount of people we've ever had in any one service. And the amount of people got, that got saved was the largest amount we've ever had saved in one Sunday. And that's awesome. I think we need to give God another round of applause. Amen. And one of the things that I, I want to uh, talk to you about today is that we don't just want, as a church, our vision is not just to have people get saved. Uh, the, the, the saving part, salvation is not the end of what we do. Salvation is the beginning of what we do. In fact, um, those of you who have gone to the membership class, you know the vision of the church is to know Christ and to make Him known. And then Pastor Eben always talks about the four pillars of the church. I don't know if, you've, if you know this, but it's, it's to know Christ personally. And that's salvation. That's the first part. But then it's to grow in Christ internally. How many of you know that there's some things that have to happen internally after you get saved uh, that didn't happen before you got saved? Uh, some things have to be free on the inside. You've got to grow in Christ where? Internally. Then you've got to show Christ how? Externally. In other words, Jesus has to start pouring out your skin so that other people start to see Him in you. That it's not just something between you and God, but now other people start to see it. And then finally, you've got to go for God globally. Which means that you've got to reach out beyond yourself and you've got to be a blessing to other people. Are you with me? Well, you know what? There is a process of growth that God calls all of us to. And that's what the vision of the church is all about. It's moving from one stage, one place to another. And I want to show you this pattern because it's all over the Bible. But I want to show you it in the book of Exodus chapter 6. So if you turn in the, your Bibles or if you use your iPads, your iPhones, um, or any other device that's not as good. If you would just... If you would turn to Exodus chapter 6, I, I want to show you that uh, when we come to Christ, there is always a process of growth. That our growth never stops. If you stop growing, you're going backwards. Man, growing in Christ is like walking up uh, an escalator that's going down. Are you with me? That when you stop, guess what? 
You say you're going down, man. You're going down. You're not going up. You can't stop growing because if you stop growing, then you're going backwards. And so you're always in this process of growth. And if you've been with Jesus for any length of time, here's what you know about God. Number one is God wants you to grow. Number two is there is a cost to growing. How many of you know that growing costs you something? Amen. There's a cost to grow. But here's the third thing. There is a reward for every single time you grow. And how many of you are excited about the rewards that God has for you? Amen. So Exodus chapter 6 is where we're at. And um, maybe I should turn there in my Bible. Ah, that would help, wouldn't it? The preacher needs to know where he's preaching from. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 6. The story is uh, Moses uh, has gone to Pharaoh to talk to him about setting Israel free. And Pharaoh basically says, you know what, the reason why you guys want to go and worship is because you're lazy. And so he gives them more work to do with less resources. Okay, he says to them, hey, you know what, I'm not going to provide the resources I had for you, but you're going to have to do the same amount of work that you did before. And so the people of Israel come to Moses and said, has God really sent you? Because if God sent you, we wouldn't be in this situation. How many of you understand that sometimes when God is about to do a breakthrough in your life, that the enemy raises up his head and makes things harder for you so that you may get discouraged from doing the thing that God has called you to do? And oftentimes that's where we give up and we just decide, you know what, where I am is better than actually going through the growth process. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But let me, let me put it to you this way. Sometimes God might ask you to forgive somebody. And right when you're about to do it, the person does something again. And you just say, you know what? Forget this forgiveness thing. It ain't worth it. Are, are you with me? So you decide, I'd rather not grow than to give up my position of comfort where I am right now. And this is what happened to the children of Israel. And so God reassured Moses by saying, Hey Moses, I have a pattern in mind of how I'm going to set my people free. Exodus chapter 6 verse 6. Here's, here's what it says. Therefore, Moses say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will redeem, I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. And I will take you as my people and I'll be your God. Now in the, in the Jewish community, these are called the four I wills. And they celebrate it every Passover. So here's what it is. Each of these I wills is a different stage of spiritual growth in your life. The first one says, I will take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. How many of you remember when you got saved... And when you got saved, all of a sudden, there were some things in your life that dropped off. You weren't under the burden of the Egyptians anymore. Um, or, 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 or let me put it this way. Do you know the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard? Uh, when I got saved, um, I walked out of that building that night. And all of a sudden, everything looked brighter to me. Man, I tell you, the sky was blue. It was like, you know, that song that says, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. Man, I tell you, I felt, I felt light. I felt weight. I felt like, man, I felt like my, I was like, man, I didn't know salvation could feel this good. 
I mean, all this time I was thinking about giving my life to Christ. I'm thinking about all the things I had to give up. I was thinking about, oh my gosh, God is going to make me marry somebody I don't like. Hallelujah. And somebody I don't even, come on now, how many of you thought that? I mean, I, that's how I thought. I thought, he's going to send me to Africa and I'm going to be some missionary. Come on, I'm telling you. I'm te- but I was sitting on that seat and that guy was saying, come on up if you want to accept Jesus. I'm thinking, I don't know what God is going to do if I make that step. And then I got up and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And something happened inside of me and I just felt different. Nothing had changed on the outside. I was still the same person on the outside, but something inside had shifted. God had moved me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The Bible says it this way in uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 9. He says, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, watch this, who is called to give praise to God who has brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. All of a sudden, my eyes were opened and I felt different. And boy, let me tell you something. I said, I don't know why I didn't do this a long time ago. Because when you save, man, I'm telling you something. There is a joy that comes to you that you didn't realize you were trying to get all that time with all that partying that you were doing in the world. I was trying to do stuff to try and gain peace out there. And when I came to Christ, all of a sudden I was peaceful. There were some things that shifted on the inside that I didn't realize I was longing for before I came to Christ. And guess what? It was all paid for by Jesus. Man, I'm excited. If you're saved, you need to be excited too. I think you need to put your hands together if you know what it means to be saved this morning. I'm telling you, I I could never get over being saved because that was the big first step in my life. But you know what? I didn't stop there because there was more that God had for me. Listen to what he says next. He says, not only will I take them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, but he says, I'm going to rescue them from their bondage. Now let me ask you something. How many of you understand that people can be saved but not delivered? Because the first stage is salvation, but the second stage is deliverance. How many of you know that when you walked into Christ, you brought some baggage with you? Did anybody besides me bring some baggage to Jesus? Man, when I came in, I thought I was God's gift to the kingdom. (laughs) I thought, man, God, um, you need me more than I need you. (laughs) I thought, man, I'm glad you got me saved because now I can really fix this place. Hmm. But you know what? I had some baggage, man. I had some, some issues. I, I made a list of my issues. And um, I wanted to see, you know, to share them with you. I had some issues. Let me, let me tell you some of my issues. Um, I had girl issues. I had cussing issues. I had smoking. Oh, somebody saying amen. I hear you. All right. I, got, I, got, I had some smoking issues. I had some partying issues. I had some submission issues. I had some deception issues. I told the first service, I said, man, I couldn't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if God helped me. I had some pride issues. I had some popularity issues. I had some pornography issues. I had some people-pleasing issues. I had some fear of the future issues. Some trusting God issues. Some academic issues. Let me tell you something, man. My sister says yes. Okay, let me tell you something. I was... I was at the bottom of the bottom of the class. 
You understand what I'm saying? My class was the worst class, and I was the worst one in the class. Man, when I came to Christ, I thought, man, what are you going to do with this brain of mine? But look at me now. <laughs> Amen. Look at me now. So, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We get saved, but we have all these issues with us. And God was saying to Moses, he said, listen, not only am I going to set them free physically, but I've got to get their mentality to change as well. Because even though they're not slaves, they still have a slavery mentality. So even though they're free, their minds aren't free. Even though they're, and God took 40 years of walking them around in the desert to say, listen, I've got to get you free for real. Free. And a lot of us, what we're doing is we're saved, but we stop growing there. And we don't give up the issues that we brought in with Christ. We don't take the issues, we take the issues in and we go, God, I'm glad that you saved me, but don't touch my issues. Don't touch my stuff. I've got anger issues and I don't want to change because people are going to take advantage of me. So don't touch it. Oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning. Oh, yeah, I got saved, but there's some issues, some selfishness issues that I have. And guess what? If I change, my husband or my wife might think that I'm here to serve them. Ain't nobody going to take advantage of me. So God, guess what? Don't touch my issues. I'm cool with where I'm at. You know, children of Israel, God, I mean, God had so much blessing for them. But here's the problem. Because their mind wasn't changed, He couldn't give them the blessing that He had for them. You see, you can't accommodate the blessing of God if your mind doesn't change. You can't accommodate the blessing of God if you stay in the same state you were before He gives it to you. Because you've got to be stretched to the capacity that you're able to now accommodate the blessing that He has for you. All right, let, let, let me tell you. Numbers 13, the children of Israel get to the edge of the promised land. They send in some spies. They come back. Ten of them say, hey, man, you can't go into that land. Two of them say, listen, God is on our side. We can do it. But these guys were all previous slaves. And because they were walking around so long in the desert and they had not yet been freed, they couldn't think except like a slave thinks. So when they heard the report of the ten, they go, oh yeah, 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 because we know what it's like to be beaten. We know like what it's like to be tortured. We know what it's like. So guess what? We don't want to go there because we know there's more of the same waiting for us because that's what our experience was. The two came back and they said, but you don't understand. God is on our side. Yes, we're different. It's not about us, it's about God. But their mentality hadn't changed. So they couldn't inherit the promise that, they, that God wanted to give them because they weren't in a position to do it. So here's what they said, Numbers 13. Listen to what it said. There we saw the giants. This is what the bad report was. We saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in, in our own sight. They got some self-esteem issues. They go, we were grasshoppers in our own sight. And therefore, we were grasshoppers in their sight. In other words, here's what they're saying. We can't, we can't own that house. We, we can't have a successful marriage. Man, there's divorce all throughout my whole life. Well, we can't do that. We, we can't have successful kids. 
We can't have, we can't have that kind of blessing. Guess what? Because mentally, I don't deserve it. Oh, come on now. It's because of the bondage. Because we're saved, but we're not free. Is anybody hearing me this morning? And so, and so Jesus says, hey, hey, listen. You've got to give up something here. You've got to give up some issues if you're going to go forward. Amen? Uh, here's, how does God heal us? How does God heal us? Two ways. Number one is, uh, James 5.16 says, If you confess your faults one to another and pray for each other, you shall be healed. Uh, it's interesting because God says, if you confess your sins to me, you'll be forgiven. But if you confess your sins to my people, you'll be healed. Well, somebody said, that's deep. Yeah, that's deep. You know, because here's what's happening. There are a lot of us walking around forgiven but not healed. Because we want to keep our issues between us and God alone. And we don't want anybody else knowing our business. But you don't know that God has put your healing in the body. And if you don't share it with the body, you won't get the healing. I'm telling you. That's why, it, it, word of truth, yeah, of course, we, we have, uh, you, know, to, you know, to know Him personally. That's what we do Sunday mornings. That's why we always give an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. But we also want to talk about to, to grow in Him internally. And how do we do that? That's why we have small groups. That's why I have these true groups. You know why? It's, so that it's not just a, a place for you to hang out. It's a place for you to connect with other people so that you can be set free, so that you can be healed. Do you know what? I, I lead a, 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 a small group. I lead a true group for parents. And I've seen parents walk into that true group and they've struggled with something for eight, five, uh, ten years with their kid. They walk in, they share the issue, and they walk out with a solution and it happened in 30 minutes. Why? Because they were bold enough to say, I don't want to carry my issues alone. I want to talk to somebody else about them. Amen? Amen. Here's the second thing. God says this. Jesus says this. Um, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In other words, here's the second part of, of, of being healed and being free and being delivered. It's you've got to get into the word around the issue that you're struggling with. Man, if you have a pride issue, read scriptures about pride. Because the truth shall make you free. If you have a lust issue, read scriptures about lust. Because the truth shall make you free. Are you with me? Right. If you have a giving issue, read scriptures about giving. Because the truth shall set you free. And so God says, not only am I taking them out from under the burdens, but I'm also going to free them from the bondage. Then the third thing he says is this, is this. He says, not only that, but I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to redeem them. What does redeem mean? Redeem means to take something that was stolen or lost or captured, to take it back, to buy it back, and put it into its original use. Okay? God, here's what God says in Genesis about you and I. He says, when God created man, he created him in his, his own image and after his own likeness. And so here's, here's what we know, here's what I know. This third stage is called the stage of discipleship because God wants to restore us to the place where we start to look like Him again. That's what discipleship is. That's why the third step in uh, the Word of Truth process is to show Christ externally. In other words, when you look at me, you're supposed to see more of Jesus than me. 
my issues need to have been dealt with. You see, we can't keep focusing on our sin. We now have to focus on our direction and our purpose in life. Uh, Romans 8.29 says it this way. God says that he has predetermined. I'm going to show you that. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to what? To the image of his son. In other words, Jesus wants you to look like Jesus. Man, this is awesome. Because discipleship means I'm becoming more like Jesus. So I got a question for you. Are you becoming like Jesus in your convictions, your character, your conduct, and your conversation? Are you becoming more like Jesus in your convictions, your character, your conduct, and your conversation? Because here's what happens to many of us. We stop growing and we don't even realize it. Are you growing? Ask the person beside you. Are you still growing? <laughs> Are you still growing? Here's the final one. He says, I will, I will be your God and you will be my people. And this is the stage of purpose. We have salvation. We have Watch it. We have salvation, deliverance, discipleship, and purpose. Those are the four stages. And that stage of purpose means this. It simply means this. That God wants to use you not only to look like Him, but to serve like Him. In other words, God wants you not to just keep it to yourself. But He wants you to be able to bless other people. Because that's where you find fulfillment. Fulfillment happens not when you live for you, but when you live for others. Um, I, I remember the first time they ever asked me to serve in church back in Jamaica. We had some little blue chairs that were plastic and it, was, you know, it would break sometimes and stuff. And um, we were, the, 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 the chairs were on a tile floor and it was some of those cheaper tiles. So it, you know, we call them terrazzo tiles. I don't even know if you know what that is. I don't even know what that is myself. But terrazzo tiles were all flat and you know, anything you put on that tile would just, it would just move. You know, it would just move. And we had these blue chairs, and they all had little metal bottoms and everything like that. And what would happen is that every time people came to sit down in the church, the chairs would move with them. And so, they would ask, they said, hey, could you help straighten out the chairs? And at first, when they said it, I was like, I don't want to straighten out a chair. I would start moving it. And once I started to do it, somehow this joy came in me because... I was fixing chairs. Man, I started moving them chairs, started looking down. Started, you know what I'm saying? I was like, making sure, no, wait, that one is out, you know, just walk over there. And I was, I was like, I was starting to get excited about moving chairs. Then all of a sudden, because I was doing that well, they said, hey, would you, would you like to help out with, um, with our youth group and maybe co-lead one of the small groups? I was like, okay. And I didn't know what was happening to me. But here's what I discovered. Because I was serving other people, I started to receive a joy that I never experienced before. Because I thought if I serve me, I'd be happy. Uh-uh. <laughs> when I served others, I became happy. And so God has this, this prescribed process for growth. But there is a personal price for growth too. There's a personal price. When I first got saved, um, I had a friend. His name is John. John looked like Blair Underwood. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was, bef- and this was before we even knew who Blair Underwood was. And boy, I tell you, John looked like Blair Underwood and walked like Denzel Washington. I'll tell you, boy. John. That was John, man.